bless his name. He's worthy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What a mighty God we serve. What an awesome God that he is. And if you know that to be so, why don't you just lift a praise to him right now in Jesus' name. Come on, lift a praise to the Lord right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Lord, we lift up your name. We praise you and we exalt you. There's a sweet presence of the Lord that's in this place tonight. And whatever you need from the Lord is here in this house tonight. Whatever you need from God is in this place. Does anybody believe that tonight? Amen. If you believe it, shout amen. Amen. Turn in your Bibles with me to Psalms chapter 92 and verse 10. A very familiar maybe portion of scripture to you. That's where we're going tonight. It says this. But mine horn shalt thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Somebody say, I shall be anointed with fresh oil. The ASV says, but mine horn hast thou exalted like the horn of the wild ox. I'm an, I am anointed with fresh oil. And then another version says, the NET says, I am covered with fresh oil. God, we thank you for your word. We know that your word is anointed. I pray that you would anoint your messenger now. Hide me under the shadow of your cross, Lord Jesus, and let fresh oil flow through each and every one of us in this house tonight, I pray. In the name of Jesus, we pray these things. And everybody said amen. Amen. You can be seated. Just for a few minutes, I'm going to preach about fresh oil. Amen. You see, the second law of thermodynamics indicates that everything tends towards disorder. And we know that the second law of thermodynamics teaches us that when things are left on their own, when things are isolated outside from outside influences, they tend to get worse and not better. Is anybody with me? Think of a quick example. What would happen to your vehicle if you just left it alone and didn't, didn't do anything with it? You got in it every day. You drove it down the road. Put a little gas in it. Forgot about the tires. Forgot about any upkeep whatsoever. You'd be driving a hunk of junk for too long. Same thing with your house, right? The same thing happens. It's just the way that life goes. So we know that the natural teaches us things about the supernatural, right? The natural teaches us about the spiritual. And we must guard our spiritual walk with God from deterioration. We must guard that. When we do not allow the outside influence of the Holy Ghost to work in our lives, things in our hearts tend toward disorder. They come towards maximum disorder in our lives, right? We think things are just going to get better on their own. We think it's just going to happen, and that's just how it's going to be. But I tell you, and you've realized throughout your own life that they will not. That is not how it works. We must practice spiritual disciplines, and we must practice spiritual maintenance in our lives each and every day. Can I get an amen? And when we neglect that maintenance, it's not long before decay comes along. And things begin to deteriorate in our life. And it sets in. And the enemy puts that scope upon us and tries to take us out on the battlefield. Amen. I believe in the Holy Ghost tonight that it is the will of God that everyone in this room is filled tonight uh, with fresh oil. 
I believe that it is the will of God that every person in here and every person that is worshiping or watching online, it's the will of God that you be filled with the fresh oil of the Holy Ghost. I cannot survive on stale Holy Ghost, and you cannot survive on stale Holy Ghost, and this world deserves more than stale Holy Ghost. So we've got to tap in to the fresh oil of God and say, God, I crave it. God, I need it. God, as the deer panteth, God, my soul is panting after more of the Holy Ghost. I need the fresh oil of God pouring through me. Hallelujah. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9 and 27, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Even the Apostle Paul realized he could become a castaway. There's nothing in the scripture that says, once saved, always saved. It's not there. Amen. The Apostle Paul realized that he had to have a daily relationship with God. Philippians 2 and 12, written to the church, says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Amen. You've got to work it out. It's a, something that has to keep going. You can't just let it stay dormant. You can't just let it sit where it's at, but you've got to work it out each and every day. In 1 Corinthians 15 and 31, Paul said, I die daily. He wasn't saying he was going to kill himself physically daily. But if you go and read the word, you'll find that spiritually he was saying, I'm going to kill this old flesh. What I want is going to die daily. And what God wants in my life, I'm going to let that increase. I'm going to decrease that he might increase in my life. That's what Paul was saying. And in the end, each and every one of us know that eternity and where you spend eternity is the only thing that is going to matter. When our life wraps up here on this earth and we take our final breath, the only thing that will matter will be Jesus. Amen. The only thing that will matter will be your relationship with Jesus. Hebrews 1, 10 and 11 says, And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hands. They shall perish, but thou remainest, and they all shall wax old as doth a garment. I believe in the Holy Ghost that all of us need to put our focus on what matters. We need to put our focus on those things that are going to remain and the one that is going to remain forever and ever. We need to challenge ourselves. Where is our focus? What are we focused upon? Are we lifting our eyes toward the hills which cometh our help? Are we lifting up our eyes to the one who can fix each and every problem and situation? Or are we getting so mired in what this world is throwing at us that we lose focus of what Jesus has for us in our lives? Put your focus on the one that will remain forever. Maybe you've lost your focus. And the task at hand, it may seem so great. But let me remind someone tonight in this house or somebody that's watching online tonight, that if you will be determined in your mind tonight, if you'll say, God, before I leave this house, I shall be filled with fresh oil. If you'll do that, the task at hand will never be greater than the power that's inside of you. 
When you let that fresh oil come inside of you, the task at hand will never be greater than the power that is inside of you. For greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I know according to Ephesians 6 and 10, I'm going to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I walk not after the flesh, but I walk after the spirit, and I walk in the power of the might of God. Luke 10 and 19 says, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means, come on somebody, nothing shall by any means hurt you. It's the word of God. And again we read the words of Jesus as recorded in Luke 11 and 20. But I, but if I, with the finger of God, cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God is come upon you. Don't doubt. You've got the power of God inside of you. When you are filled with fresh oil, you have the spirit and the power of Jesus, the one who said these words inside of you to command devils to flee. Amen. When you get the fresh oil experience of God tonight uh, in your life, uh, the devil, he's not going to be commanding you, but you're going to command the devil to flee in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody. You don't have to let him push you around. You've got the power of Jesus inside of you. I won't be much longer. In our text, we read in Psalms 92 and 10, the psalmist said, I shall be anointed with fresh oil. David is speaking about a fresh anointing. He's speaking about a renewal. You see, David had been anointed as a king. He'd been anointed king of Israel from his youth. And in 1 Samuel 16 and 13, Samuel took the horn of oil and he anointed him. And the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. The Spirit had not departed from David but at times, David needed a refreshing. David needed a renewal. Come on, somebody. We are in the same state. We can't go off the same oil day after day after day after day. But we've got to have that refreshing. We've got to have that renewal. We live in a time when many in the church have been anointed from one time or another. They have received the Holy Ghost. And just like David, Satan has come. And the cares of this world have come and stormed their kingdom, so to speak. David's own family tried to take away from him what God had given him. John 10.10 10 says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and destroy. But I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. You know that there's a thief and his name is Satan. He wants to stop the anointing of God in your life because he knows that it's the anointing that destroys the very yoke of bondage that he's trying to put upon your family. The very yoke of bondage that he's trying to put on the co-workers that you work with. But the psalmist wrote in our text, I shall be anointed with fresh oil. And somebody in this house tonight needs to make that de declaration and say, before I leave this house, somebody online needs to say, before I turn this message off, in the name of Jesus, I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I like what the prophet Micah wrote in chapter 7. 
in verse 8, he said, Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. He said, Do not gloat over me, my enemy. I'm not out. Though I have fallen, I will arise. Though I sit in darkness, come on somebody, though I sit in depression, though I sit in heaviness, the Lord shall be my light. I say to somebody right now in the name of Jesus, I, I bind the spirit of depression off of you. I bind the spirit of heaviness from you in the name of Jesus. I call you to light in the name of Jesus. I say be delivered and let the oil of joy pour over you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 4 and 16. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. You may have allowed the devil to pull you down, but don't let the devil keep you down. Hallelujah. Somebody tonight in this house, I'm saying it again, there's a refreshing for you. There is a renewal for you in the Lord tonight. In fact, God wants you to be renewed day after day after day. Ecclesiastes 10 and 1 says, Dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor. You and I, we can't carry around a bunch of dead things in our lives and expect the anointing to flow through our lives. Things like bitterness, things like unforgiveness and strife, those things don't combine with the power of the Holy Ghost. But tonight, we've got to push those things out in the name of Jesus. We've got to say, nothing is more important than the fresh oil of God flowing through me. Amen. No disappointment is more important than the fresh oil of God flowing through me. We have to lay those things down. Amen. Isaiah, I'm skipping ahead right now. Isaiah 40 and 31 says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Come on. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. The problem is you've got to wait just for a moment. You've got to tarry just for a moment. You've got to seek the face of God just for a moment. You've got to put all of those other things aside just for a moment and wait. I say wait upon the Lord. Come on. We sang about it tonight. For all who wait, for all who hunger, for all who prayed, for all who wandered, behold your king, behold Messiah, Emmanuel, Emmanuel. Somebody tonight, I tell you in the Holy Ghost, uh, stay at it. Stay at it. Keep pressing. Keep pushing. No matter what you feel, wait upon the Lord. Amen. Isaiah 28 and 12, the very last scripture I'm going to read, says, To whom he said, This is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. I plead with you in the name of Jesus tonight. Please hear my voice. Please hear the voice of God speaking to you. Please know that God wants you to have fresh oil. Please realize the world that you work in, the world that you live in. Your family cannot afford for you to have still oil. Please realize there's a refreshing for you if you'll tap in to the oil of God tonight. Fresh oil in Jesus' name. Praise God. Let's give God a praise right now. Hallelujah. I bless your name, I bless your name, I bless your name. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah. We're just tagging together tonight, and I, I appreciate so much what I just heard. We haven't talked with each other, but here I am, and I'm preaching now from Numbers chapter 11, verse 8. And the people went about and gathered it and ground it in mills or beat it in a mortar and baked it in pans and made cakes of it, and the taste of it was as the taste of fresh oil. Praise God. Would you lift your voices right now and would you give God the praise? I love you, God. I give you glory and honor. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. It's not a twice as long sermon, but just stay with me, all right? That miraculous, sent from heaven, manna, furnished the people of God with strength and vigor during all their 40 years of wilderness wanderings. Manna came every morning, except on the Sabbath, in the form of a small round seed resembling frost lying on the ground. It did not come sparingly when the manna fell. It did not come in a restricted or infrequent manner or in small quantities. Manna did not come in a restricted or infrequent manner. Manna did not come in small quantities. There was enough manna for everybody. There was enough manna for all of God's people. It had to be gathered every day except on the Sabbath. And any attempt to lay aside for a succeeding day except on the day immediately preceding the Sabbath miserably failed. The manna had to be fresh each day or it became wormy and offensive. This miraculous manna gave the people of God strength for 40 years. It was a gift from God. It was so important that the Word of God tells us that God had them place a golden jar of manna alongside the tables of stone and Aaron's rod that budded in the Ark of the Covenant. God gave command that they would save the testimony of manna to be kept, listen, for succeeding generations so that their children and their children's children could remember the food which God gave them to eat in the desert all throughout the wilderness wanderings. God knew that his people would need three critical things to successfully complete their journey. And so he put these three critical things on display in the most holy piece of furniture in the entire Old Testament. Then he placed his most holy piece of furniture, the Ark of the Covenant, in the most holy place on earth. It didn't rest in the outer court. It didn't even reside in the holy place. God said, place it in the holy place, in the holy of holies. Stay with me. There were three things that God said you're going to need for your journey. Number one, he said, take the tables of stone, put them in the Ark of the Covenant. The Ten Commandments written by the finger of God, representative of the Word of God. Don't ever forget, ladies and gentlemen, the importance of the Word of God. I know a lot of people who love Jesus who put very little emphasis upon the commands of God's Word. They put very little emphasis upon the, what the Word of God says, and they 
think that just because they love the Lord, that's all that's necessary. Don't ever forget that God said, take those tables of stone and put them in the Ark of the Covenant and put them in the Holy of Holies because the Word of God is forever settled in heaven. The Word of God is critical. It's important. Don't ever forget the importance of the Word. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. God knows that we need the word of God to successfully complete our mission. So he says, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Listen, the Bible doesn't say if you love God, you'll be free. Now don't get me wrong. We need to love God and God loves us, but it's not the love of God that makes you free. That's a lie sent from hell. What sets you free is what Jesus said sets free. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The second item in the Ark of the Covenant was Aaron's rod that budded. And my, how the devil is resisting that principle today. Aaron's rod played an important role in God's plan to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. Remember, that rod of Aaron was a symbol of authority. Just like shepherds use a rod to guide and correct their flocks, Aaron's rod was one that turned into a snake in Pharaoh's court. When the Egyptian sorcerers also turned their staffs into snakes, the snake that had been Aaron's rod swallowed theirs up. It was Aaron's rod that God used to turn the water of Egypt into blood. And it was Aaron's rod that summoned the plagues of frogs and gnats and so forth into the nation of Egypt. And when a few Levites became disgruntled about the extra authority that God had given to Moses and Aaron, God caused the earth to open up and swallow three men and their entire families. It's the only time I've ever read in the Word of God where people, where the earth opened up and people fell alive into hell. Howbeit, rather than submit to the Lord, after this miracle of these three very prominent families dropping alive into hell, the other tribal leaders joined in a revolt. And the very next morning, the whole community of Israel began muttering against Moses and Aaron saying, you have killed the Lord's people. Can you imagine that? The Lord desired to wipe out the whole company, but Moses and Aaron fell on their faces and pleaded with God not to destroy them. And God relented and instead sent a plague throughout the company of rebellious Israel that killed 14,700 people. Are you still with me? To put an end to the unrest, God once again used Aaron's rod for a miracle. God commanded Moses to have the leader of each tribe bring his rod, his staff, to the tent of meeting with Aaron's rod representing the tribe of Levi. Each of the 12 leaders was to have his name inscribed on his rod. The Lord told Moses, buds will sprout on the staff belonging to the man I choose, then I will finally put an end to the people's murmuring and complaining against you. You still with me? 
They left their rods before the Lord. And in the morning, Aaron's staff, representing the tribe of Levi, had sprouted, budded, blossomed, and produced almonds all overnight. And the Lord said to Aaron and to Moses, Place Aaron's staff permanently before the Ark of the Covenant to serve as a warning to, the ha- to those who think they can serve the Lord independent of God's delegated leadership. I know that's about as, as uh, popular as a screen door in a submarine. I know today everybody wants to feel like uh, me and Jesus, we got it all worked out. Or like Lonesome Joan, Lonesome Joan, you don't have to do everything alone. I don't need nobody's help. I can do it by myself. Oh, Lonesome, Lonesome Joan. Now, if you start wiggling in your seat, you're going to give it away. So just sit, keep a poker face. Nobody will know. But I'm here to tell you that God was so desirous to help and to, for the people of Israel to know the three critical things they would need. Number one, they were going to have to have the word of God. Number two, they were going to have to believe in the leadership that God gave them. And number three, the third critical thing that God placed in the ark, in the Holy of Holies, was the golden pot of manna. Now, folks, this manna came from heaven. It came from heaven. It was something that had to happen every day. It was a daily miracle. It was Something that came from heaven every day. And God said, I want you to take this golden pot of manna and I want you to place it in the sacred ark of the covenant. Place it in the holiest of holies, the most sacred place in the world. And save the testimony of manna for succeeding generations. This was particularly for the succeeding generations for your children and your children's children. I don't want your kids to forget The food which came from heaven every day. So God says, it's so critical. I'm placing it in my word. I'm placing it in the ark. And I'm placing it in the holy of holies. And then the Bible says this. And the taste of it was as the taste of fresh oil. Every day... They would need the taste of fresh oil. Now, here's where I'm going. I was raised in Pentecost. I fear God. I remember this lady here with the white hair sitting on the second row. I remember walking into the house and coming around the corner. And mama being on her knees and talking in tongues and swaying and praying in the spirit. I grew up with that. I know what it's like to be taken in the car and brought to the church and there wasn't going to be any preaching that night. It was going to be prayer meeting. And I remember one of our neighbors receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost in a prayer meeting. I was brought up to know that everybody that's going to be saved has to have some of that 
manna that tastes like fresh oil and they need it every day. Mama didn't try to make a show of it, but she didn't hide it behind a bushel. I, I, I was touched by the Lord many times, just walking through the house. When Mama prayed, heaven listened. When I would walk into the living room, Mama would sometimes be on her knees and praying. And now I realize how critical that was for me, how important that was for me. Hey, I'm preaching to somebody that's still got little children that are around you and children that are growing up in the home. Don't wait to church to pray. Don't come to church late and leave early. Don't skip church every time little something happens. And don't forget that little boy that little girl needs to walk around the corner and be surprised and see their mama or their daddy down on their face before God with tears streaming down their face and the anointing of God upon their life. I'm going to tell you something. That anointing will jump from you onto your children. It will pass from you onto your children. You need that anointing, that manna every day that tastes like fresh oil. Hallelujah. I'm concerned. I am preaching to good people and I'm very concerned. I'm preaching to some folks that haven't even taught their kids yet that they ought to bow their heads and pray before they eat. I'm concerned. I'm preaching to some good people that have not taught their children the importance and the power of prayer. I want to tell you that when I walked into the room where Mama was praying, it wasn't just a little casual conversation. And when she had her friends over and praying, buddy, let me tell you something. They would get in the spirit and pretty soon I'd be feeling something. I remember... One time, mom and some of her friends were gathered in the home, and they completely forgot where they were. They forgot about time. They forgot about place. And they prayed, and it wasn't, praise you, Jesus. Oh, praise God. That's not the daily manna that I grew up around. When it was prayer time, it was a holy time. And I remember that they had this prayer meeting, mom and some of her friends, some of her lady friends, and they began to pray. It was not just casual. And one time as they were praying, they prayed this particular time until they were in the spirit. But did you know that you can even pray to the same level in the spirit and be stomied there if you stop there every time? The same four or five syllables is okay for a while, but when God wants to take you deeper, you got to press on a little bit further. When you start speaking in tongues, that's not the end. That's just the beginning of a whole nother world. And mama and her friends were praying so fervently and so concentrated on praise and worshiping. Folks, we cannot allow that to leave us. 
that mama reached a place where she was no longer moving. She prayed in the spirit until she was not praying out loud anymore. She was praying in the spirit until she reached that place that the book of Romans chapter 8 and verse 26 speaks of. Where it says, likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. It is a level of prayer that will bring revival to your children and to your children's children. It is a level of prayer that will bring revival to an individual, to a city, or to a nation. Sister Cole, Brother Billy Cole's wife, had that ministry of intercessory prayer. And I think you might remember, if, if you remember Brother Billy Cole, he's a great big guy. He came in, and they were in the nation of Thailand, and she had been laying on the floor. And he went over and checked on her. She wasn't moving. He kind of shook her a little bit. He said, get up, Mama. And she didn't do it. She lay there some longer. He said, Mama, get up. And finally she said, I can't. I've laid here so long, she said, I can't move. But there was a revival that broke out in Thailand where multiplied thousands of people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and were baptized in Jesus' name to a large degree because of the prayers of Mama Cole. So mama and her friends were in this prayer meeting and mom was laying on the floor as I remember and she was intercession, interceding and with groanings which cannot be uttered. And one of the new converts walked over and said, Sister Stoops or Edith, I don't remember which one she called her. And mom didn't answer. Mom said she, was, she had gone into the spirit with the Lord. If I'm freaking you out, it's because you haven't gone there yet. The Apostle Paul talked about being caught away, out of the body. I know of a, a southern lady who has no, been known to pray, and God would transport her in the spirit to where it was that she was praying, and she could describe to you vividly the room that she saw as she was praying. Now, don't get your purse and go running out and get scared. If we're going to have the revival that God wants us to have, we cannot allow this manna that comes every day, that has the taste of oil, not only of oil, but of fresh oil. It's got to come. It's got to get upon us. And so mama was laying there, and the new convert shook her, and she didn't respond. And she shook her again, and mama didn't even know she was shaking her. She was so wrapped up in the spirit, praying and talking to God. The new convert went over and she grabbed the telephone and she called our pastor and she said, Pastor, get over here. I don't know what's going on. Something's gone wrong with Sister Stoops. You got to get over here. And so the pastor came and Mama can verify this if she can still remember it. Pastor said he came to the door. The door was unlocked. He tried the door. It wouldn't open. He pushed and it wouldn't open. Finally, he puts his shoulder to the door, 
And he said the power of God was so strong in that room uh, that it literally took all of his strength to, to push that door open. And when he stepped inside, he felt the presence of the Lord in a very, very powerful way. Uh, hallelujah. I'm here to tell you, we need that daily manna. We need that. We need it. He testified that though there was no barrier that could be seen. He had to put his shoulder to the door and push with all of his might to enter. We need the golden pot of manna that comes from heaven to be prominently displayed to our children and to our children's children. We ought not to be ashamed to be caught on our knees at home. I love Joshua. I love the story of how Joshua fought the battle of Jericho and the walls came a-tumbling down. And I love that, but when I read in Judges chapter 2, and the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua, and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel, and Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being 110 years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in Timnath Ares, in the mount of Ephraim, on the north side of the hill, Gaash. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers. And there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers. Joshua, I respect you so much, sir. I respect how you were the captain of the Lord's army. But I have to say, we must not allow to happen to us what happened to Joshua. No, not on our watch. Who's going to get a hold of the horns of the altar? Who's going to rekindle their prayer life? Who's going to say, all right, there's a war going on in our world right now. Ladies and gentlemen, you may not realize it, but there is a war going on for the dominance of our nation right now. There's a war going on that's going to determine whether we're going to be the republic or whether we become a socialist state. There's a war going on that's saying either the church is going to be necessary and critical or it's going to be unnecessary and unneeded. There's a war going on among our culture, in our culture right now, that's trying to seize the hearts and the minds of our children. You'd be surprised at some of the things that your children have been taught, that has been said to your kids. You'd be surprised at some of the teaching that your kids have received and why they would be going the way they are. And here's why. They've been told that good is evil and that evil is good. They've been told that you should respect everybody who wants to live an immoral lifestyle or a homosexual lifestyle. But it's okay to bash the Bible believing Christians. It's okay to make fun of them and to silence them and not give them a voice. I don't know what to say to you except the only thing that's going to save America, the only thing that's going to save your family is if some people will start 
again rekindling the fires of prayer in the name of Jesus. We've got young men and young women and children that can be Samuels for God. But somebody has got to get to that manna that comes from heaven every day. Hallelujah. I can't let my schedule crowd the walk with God that I have. I can't let my agenda crowd God out of my life. I don't care if you make a million bucks as long as you pay your tithes. But if you to make a million bucks, you have to give up your prayer life. You have just made the biggest mistake that man ever made. I'll never forget when I was calling a friend, and some of you know, and I won't name the name, but he was an ordained minister. If I remember right, I believe he had his ordination. And he fell from grace. He fell into immorality. And when I heard it, I called him up. He was my friend. And I said, oh, brother, I'm so sorry I didn't pray for you more. And Brother Ferris, his answer to me was, and he started to cry over the phone. That's the problem. He said, I stopped praying. If we're going to have the greatest revival, which I believe God is ready to send to us, we need to have a revival of anointed prayer. We need to have a revival of concentrated prayer. We need to have a revival of praying that touches the hem of the garment of the Lord. We need to have uh, the kind of prayer that causes your son, when he walks around the corner, for tears to fill his eyes uh, as he feels the presence of God filling that room where you are praying. But my horn, thou shalt exalt like the horn of a unicorn. I have made my decision. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Let me tell you something. If you're going to be used of God like God wants to use you, you have to make a choice. There's going to have to be some self-discipline. There's going to have to be something inside of you that says, I want God more than I want, and you just name it. I want to walk with God more than I want, and you just name it. I want my kids to walk in white more than I need this accessory, and you name it. I want my grandkids to be saved, and I am not willing for them to be lost. What are you going to do? I'm going to the house of God. What for? I'm going to pray. And I, I'm, I'm not going to be afraid to be caught on my knees in the living room praying. I have a friend. Her name is Audrey Feigl. And maybe either she or some of her kids might be watching and worshiping with us online. But when Audrey came to the Lord, her husband was not saved. And he was a hopeless alcoholic. And when Sister Audrey would come home from church sometimes, he would lock her out of the house. And she'd have to stay outside all night. Other times he might grab her. And this was when he was an alcoholic. And pull her by the hair of her head. But Audrey Feigl, 
I have a lot of respect for you to this day because Audrey Figo learned how to pray. And I remember one night she was praying in her home and her husband came home uh, drunk and angry. He was filled with demons at that point. When he walked in the room, he saw her praying and it made him so angry. He walked over and he was going to physically abuse her. But when he came over, there was literally a force shield that was around her. And when he tried to, to reach out to touch her, he could not touch her. God put a force shield between her and Roy. I don't, have, I, I don't think you have to guess too much. It was a few years later, maybe several years later, that Roy Feigl gave his heart to the Lord, was baptized in the name of Jesus, and filled with the Holy Ghost, all because of a mom and a wife that said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray until the power comes down. I'm going to pray until the Spirit of God moves. And you know what? That unsaved husband didn't stop Sister Audrey Feigl from being used in a mighty way. She was in charge of the prison ministry for the state penitentiary of Illinois. She helped my mom and my sister start a church in Caseyville. And later she went and started another church in, in Highland, Illinois, which is where my daddy prayed back through to the Holy Ghost. Somebody has got to say in the name of Jesus. Sometimes when I pray, it feels like the heavens are brass. It feels like my words are bouncing down, but I'm not going to stop. I'm going to pray until the power of God comes down. I'm going to pray until the presence of God fills my life. And I'm going to pray even when my kids are listening because God said, put it in the ark. Put it in the holiest of holies. Put it in a place where everybody's going to see it. We're not talking about praying a proud prayer. We're not talking like uh, what Jesus talked about the guy that wants to stand out on Main Street and prove how holy he is uh, by praying. But we're talking about the salvation of our children. Are you with me? I don't want to put anybody on a guilt trip. I just want to ask you, do you think it might be possible that you could let God turn your prayer life into a dynamic situation that's going to change not only yourself, but it's going to change other people? There are situations that you will never change. In other, in other words, what I'm trying to tell you is you're going to develop your prayer life until it's more powerful when you talk to God about them than when you talk to them about God. Let the presence of the Lord fill this house now, Lord. If I have preached your word, and if it is your will, Lord God, for every day for us to be able to touch the Lord and get fresh manna with a taste of oil, Oh, God, in the name of Jesus Christ, fill this place one more time with your presence. Don't let the anointed prayer warriors be those of the past only. But, God, let there be fresh, able, and capable warriors now. 
They say the auto mechanic's car is the one that breaks down. And the painter's house is the one that doesn't get painted. And the carpenter's house is the one that doesn't get fixed. But God, don't let it be the Christian's home that the children are lost. Somebody's got to declare war tonight. There will be no significant revival in your life until you heed this message. But if you will just begin to turn up the, the interest and the desire and the earnest focus, I know of kids. I know of at least one kid right now. No, I can think of two kids right now. I remember one little girl. She'd be standing with her hands in the air, and she was just a little girl, and her hair was long and hung down below her waist. She was just a small child, but I remember her standing there, and I was older than her, and I could see she would stand in the front of the church and her hands would be moving like this and she was about three or four years old she was just a little tiny kid but the anointing of god was on that little child and she would stand there and sway and speak in tongues i know of a boy that they said when the service was going tight and the power of hell was fighting against it they would say son would you stand up and pray and this little boy would stand up and begin to pray and when he began to pray the power of god would sweep across that building and people would be slain in the spirit from a child praying I'm calling somebody. I don't know how old you are or how young you are, but I'm calling you to take that place of prayer, of intercessory prayer. I'm calling you to believe God and to pray like you've never prayed before. And children, the Bible says a little child shall lead them. A child can pray and God will hear. You may have an unsaved parent. But if that child will begin to pray, God will work that thing out. He'll deliver. He'll save. He'll heal. You need to hear me tonight. I'm preaching to you. You need to hear me tonight. You need to hear me tonight. It's time for a Holy Ghost revival. Somebody's got to take the leadership in the home. Somebody's got to say, well, you know what? I got a place for this. I got a place for that. What about a place for prayer? I've got mic number two. Mom, I want you to pray for us. Just start praying for us, Mom. Pray for us. We need a prayer revival. Lord, we love you. We're thankful, Lord, that you hear us. And God, we want to reach out to every soul. 
In the name of Jesus, Lord. In the name of Jesus, Lord, save souls. Lord, don't let them be lost. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for what you've done for us. You're so good to us, and we give you thanks and glory. In Jesus' name, we praise for you. For I, the Lord thy God, have called you. In Jesus' name. I have spoken to you about this before. And I call you tonight with open arms, not to rebuke you, but to love you. I call you because I have called you to stand in the gap and to make up the hedge. I have called you to be an intercessor, for I will surely come and judge this nation. But if I can find somebody who will be an intercessor, you can stand in the gap and you can make up the hedge, saith the Lord. This people has gone a-whoring after their idols and after their strange things. But I have called you, saith the Lord, and I will bless you. Ikaya momoriba santai, ramontondo riba kasato ribetala mokuri mahatai. For it is not by might, saith the Lord, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. I will anoint you. I will strengthen you. I call you. Wow. I feel the Holy Ghost. You may not realize it, but the angel of the Lord is in this house right now. You may not realize it, but the Lord Jesus is in this place right now. You may not realize it. You may not understand it. Oh, but the power of God is in this place, and I feel his presence, and I know that he's calling somebody to renew them, to renew their walk with God, to renew their relationship with the Lord. I feel it so strongly. And if you will answer the call of God, God is going to do something great in your life. God is going to use you to help others. Hey, you don't have to be just barely making it. You can become a spiritual powerhouse for God. You can become, I don't care what you were yesterday, you can become a spiritual powerhouse for God. You can't lead from the back. You can't lead from the rear. You can't lead the people that God's called you to lead until you stand out in the front and begin to lead by example. Here I am, Lord. I'm yours. Anybody else want to join this altar right now? I feel the presence of God. I want that ministry of intercessory prayer. I want to be driving down the road and feeling the presence of Jesus. I want to be on my knees praying oh, and feel the presence of the Lord in my life. I want Jesus every day. I've got to have that daily manna. I've got to have it. It's a necessity. Hallelujah, Jesus. Those who have been on the, the road for a long time, be not weary in well-doing, 
Those who have been serving the Lord for several years, don't be weary with the Lord. Don't give up and stop praying or relegate your prayer life to something of trivial, inconsequential, meaningless words. But oh, here I am, Lord. Here I am. Well, what do you mean, Pastor? I've got people still out there. I can't afford to be casual in my walk with God. I've got to be earnest. I have loved ones that are still out there, just out there. They're ready to be brought in. They're ready to be saved, but they're still out there. So I'm turning up the heat. I want to pray hard. I want to pray hard. Hallelujah. Somebody, your ministry begins with a powerful prayer ministry. That's where your ministry begins. And it ends when you walk away from prayer. Here I am, Jesus. Here I am, Jesus. I got some kids at this altar tonight. I feel like God's going to use them. We've got preachers and preacher spouses up here. We got missionaries up here. We got people, moms and dads, that are going to become so powerful that hell is shaking right now. We've got young men and young women and older men and women that are saying, God, I'm going to turn up the heat on on the devil. I'm going to pray like I've never prayed before. Here I am. Here I am. Now let's just take a few moments. Hallelujah. Let's take a few moments. Don't let this just be another sermon. Oh God, tonight I want the taste of fresh oil in my mouth. I want that taste of fresh oil in my mouth again, like that manna that you sent from heaven. This is for you, son. This is for you, daughter. This is for you, grandson. This is for you, granddaughter. This is for my unsaved loved ones. Hallelujah. This is for America. Oh, God, here I am. 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 Oh, God, somebody's got to lay down the dish towel. Somebody's got to lay down the carpentry tools for a little while. Somebody's got to get away from the office. I'm talking to you. Somebody's got to say, God, if I don't get anything else done today, I'm going to have fresh oil today. I need fresh oil. I need the taste of fresh oil in my life. Here I am. Here I am. Here I am. Here I am. Here I am, Jesus. Here I am, Jesus. Here I am. I want my children to feel the the presence of God in my home. I want the children to feel the presence of God in my walk with the Lord. Hallelujah. 
Lord, they had no room for you at the end, but we have room for you. We have room for you, Jesus. We're making room in our end. We're making room, Lord, in our life. Hallelujah, my life, oh God. I dedicate it to you. I dedicate it to you, oh God. I dedicate it to you right now. Here I am. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, single adults, teenagers and children, middle-aged and seniors. No one's left out of this. It doesn't matter how old you are. All that matters is the intensity of your prayer. I've seen the faithfulness